0: If you would, be turning in your Bibles, your pads, tablets, or whatever digital platform that you use to uh, John, the 21st chapter. John, the 21st chapter. One of my favorite chapters, and that's one of the things about getting to speak. You get to speak on something that uh, you uh, like and you want to share with your brothers and sisters. Now, this chapter, which we'll be studying today, sets itself up to two lessons. We'll be studying through verse 14 for this morning, and then we'll be finishing up the lesson tonight. So if you want to get the full import of the lesson for what Jesus is telling us and instructing us and what the Spirit is revealing unto us, we need to be here to discuss both lessons together. So before we get into the lesson proper, let's set up the context of the lesson that we're going to study. We always want to get the context to understand the who and the why and the war and what is being revealed. So after the Last Supper, Jesus had revealed unto Peter that before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. We know that Peter began to protest. Oh Lord, even if all men should deny you, I will never deny you. Even if I have to die, I will never deny you. And we know how the story develops later that night. As Jesus is taken in the garden, and he's taken by the Jewish authorities, and on three separate occasions, As Peter is looking from afar, he is accused by those around him of of being with Jesus, of being one of those. We know that he denies on education. And after the third accusation of being with Jesus, he begins to curse and to swear and he says, I do not know the man. We know at this time that Peter looks and Jesus is looking right at him the scripture says that peter wept bitterly did you ever think how peter must have felt at that moment in time you know we all being human we we, we've disappointed people we've let people down but not to this measure not to this degree We know that he he must have been just wrapped in shame and guilt and remorse. And he must have felt miserable, worthless, not once, but three times. He had denied his Lord. He had denied his Master. He had denied his Teacher. He had denied his Friend. We know that Jesus was put to death upon that cross. He was crucified. We know He was placed in that tomb. On the third day, through the power of God, He rose again. The Scripture tells us that He spent 40 days on earth before His ascension back into heaven. And during those 40 days upon earth, He made several appearances ...before His disciples, which are recorded within the Scriptures. We're going to look at one of those appearances today... ...as we study the message that it carried for Peter... ...for the disciples, and also for us today. Remember, there were 11 apostles at this time. Judas being one of the 12 that already went and hung himself... Leaven remains. And we know they must have been suffering from the shock and the dismay of everything that's happened in just a short period of time. The one that they acknowledged as being the Son of God has been taken. He has been tried. He has been put to death. He has been crucified. And yet now he's been resurrected as well. And on the night of his betrayal. As Marty just read for us, Jesus had revealed to His disciples that He would go ahead of them and wait for them in Galilee. This is also revealed in Matthew, the 28th chapter, in verses 7 through 10, where we have these words as the angel of the Lord appears before Mary at this time. She was told, and go quickly and tell the disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There you shall see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy, and did run to bring the disciples' word. And as they went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hell. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said unto them, Be not afraid, go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there they shall see me. So ample word had been given to the disciples that they were to go unto Galilee. And here we find our lesson unfolding as we look at John chapter 21 and verse 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. After these things, these things are what's recorded in chapter 20, where he also made an appearance before the disciples, and especially unto Thomas at that time. This happens in Galilee, on and around the Sea of Galilee. Uh, also known as the Sea of Tiberius, named after one of the Roman, Roman emperors, Tiberius Caesar. Verse 2. They were together, Simon Peter and Thomas, called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. There were seven apostles, or disciples, together at this moment in time, there on the Sea of Galilee. We know that there were the two sons of Zebedee, which were James and John. There was also Peter, Thomas, and Nathaniel. That's five. Scripture says two of the others are not named. That's seven. Now there's four others that are not there. Where they're at, Scripture doesn't reveal that. But we have these four, but we have these seven here at this time. So, verse 3. Simon Peter said unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately that they might, that, uh, that night, that, and they caught nothing. Now, they may have been waiting there a long time for Jesus to appear. They had been waiting there in Galilee. And Peter says, I'm going fishing. Uh, that, that's his former occupation. That, that's what he knew. Now, if, if you read and study different commentaries on this, different ideas are put forth why Peter said, I'm going fishing. Some would say that Peter thought that uh, in denying and, and, and betraying and failing the Lord, that uh, he was not worthy uh, of, of being an apostle. Uh, their thought was that uh, he is thinking he should just go back into fishing. And he says, I'm going fishing. Don't buy that, but that, that's what some say. Others said that, uh, that they were just waiting for Jesus to appear and tell them what to do. And uh, they do what's familiar with them. Or it could have been that, uh, that Peter was just hungry and the others were Anyway, Peter says, I'm going fishing. And the other said, "I'm going too." There were at least uh, two other fishermen there by trade, James and John, as well. And and that's nothing unusual. Say, if Jason said, "He, "Uh, uh, I'm going fishing," David would probably say, "Uh, "I'll go with you too." And I'd say, "Chris, there, Chris, say, well, I'll go with you too." Some of you others might want to go as well. Why? Because that's what you know. That's what you enjoy doing. You've done that for a long time. You're familiar with that. Peter says, I'm going fishing. Others said, well, we'll go too. They do it immediately. The boat is there. They cast off. They fish all night. A- a- and they caught nothing. Nothing. Now the-, now, the fishing is not as we were fishing. It's not like David got up out his Zeb Cole pocket fisherman and cast his reel out. No, they used nets. Nets with weights on them. And those nets were thrown over the side of the ship. And then were drugged back in. Doing that all night. Can you imagine the toll that that would take on one? All night casting out nets and then dragging it back in. Cast, doing that all night. Three of them were experienced fishermen. And, and, and they knew the best places. Most fishermen have a best place. I'm sure David's got a best place where he likes to fish at. He won't tell you where it's at, but they have their best places where they like to fish at. They knew the Sea of Galilee, but they caught nothing. So verse 4 now. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. A, A new day is breaking. The, the, the sun is just coming out. The light is just now coming. Beautiful time of day. Love to be out of that time of day. Just as darkness changes to twilight. And the light is just barely visible. The light is not full. We're going to see in a few moments that this boat is laying some 100 yards from the shore. And from the shore, the disciples do not recognize that that's Jesus that's standing on the shore. Uh, they don't recognize Him. And there's nothing unfamiliar in this. There's nothing unusual. They just didn't recognize in that dim light at that distance that it was Jesus. But notice what He says in verse 5. Jesus said unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered Him, No. Uh, he uses the tender words. As he addresses them, calls them children. Do, do, do you have anything to eat? Notice what they said. No. You know, if what we've been doing, and been doing for a long time, and we're unsuccessful at it, we don't want to say a lot about it, do we? They've been fishing all night. they would caught nothing. So, do you have any fish? No. So, verse 6. Six, Jesus said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and you shall find They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishers. These were experienced fishermen, for the most part. They were up all night. They'd caught nothing. And yet, they listened, and they obeyed, not knowing it was Jesus, they listened. There was something in His voice. They listen and obey. They cast the net on the right side, and there were so many fishes, seven grown men could not pull those nets into the boat. Now, verse 7, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved, that would be John, the writer himself, John saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, He girded his fisherman's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. It is with insight and perception that John is the first to recognize that one on the shore who's instructed them, that's Jesus himself. That's their Lord. (laughs) That's their master. Peter doesn't have on his outer coat or garment. He's not naked. He just doesn't have on that outer garment. (laughs) He puts that on and he jumps in the water. He's going to swim the shore. Getting the shore in the boat will be too slow. He could not wait to get there to see Jesus, to be with him. He swims those hundred yards. He'd been up all night. He was tired and yet... He wanted to be with Jesus. What, is, what does that say about us? Can we say <laughs> excuse me, can we say that? Or do we use any excuse not to be here? How many of us were that anxious, that excited to come here this morning so that we could honor and praise? And worship the God that created us. You know the psalmist David said long ago. I was glad when they said unto me. Let us go into the house of the Lord. Uh, Are we glad? Can we say that as well? Happy to be here. A delight to worship our God with our brothers and sisters. Peter swam the shore. Verse 8. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from the land, but as it were, 200 cubics, dragging the net with the fishes. So the remaining six disciples, they let down a small boat from their fishing boat. They dragged the fishes in the nets, the 200 cubics, Cubic being generally 18 inches. 18 inches times 200 is 300 feet. Feet in a yard, 100 yards. So they come ashore, dragging the fish that they had caught. Verse 9, as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. So now the disciples are now come ashore. And what do they find there? Jesus is cooking breakfast for them. They have the fire going. He's got some fish cooking. He's got the bread there. All it needs is a good pot of coffee and it would be complete. And don't you know that those disciples were hungry? They've been up all night. They've been working. they would caught nothing. And here Jesus has breakfast for them. And, And look what he says in verse 10. He says, bring of the fish which you have now caught. He said, we're going to have fish fry. Bring some of those fish that you've caught. And notice what he says. I love how he says that. Bring some of the fish that you caught. There wouldn't have been any fish without him. But he says, bring of the fish that you caught. So verse 11. Simon Peter went up and he drew the net in to land full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty three. For all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. (coughs) Peter goes, Peter's wet anyway, so he goes up into the boat. He loses the net and he brings that ashore and it's full of great fish. One translation says, megafish, big fish. Peter pulls it ashore. Must have weighed hundreds of pounds. That net did not break as he pulls it ashore. And there's 153, John says, mega fish." Now, if you study this lesson in detail, the, the scholars, the theologians, the commentators, they have a field day with this number. 153. Oh, they get all excited trying to tell you what this 153 means. Why did John say there was 153? Oh, they they get all involved in it. Well, some have said, well, 100 stands for the Gentiles. 50 stands for the Jews. And 3 stands for the Trinity. Others have said that there's 153 different classes of fishes in the world, and this is just telling mankind that he needs to harvest the world. Others have said that the 153 is the added numerical value in Greek of the word John and the word fish. One even wrote a 16-page pamphlet on the hidden meaning of that number, 153. If you look it up and study it, there's theory after theory after theory put forth on it. Now, I'm not an educated man, but I can tell you exactly what that meant this morning. I'll tell you what 153 means. Let me give you an illustration first. Now, I don't know fish, but I know golf. So let me tell you this. If I've had a bad day on the golf course, and you ask me, how did I do? I say, not good. Awful. Don't want to talk about it. Don't want to talk about it. I may just go woo and just walk off. But now, if I've had a good day on that golf course, and you say, how'd you do? Oh, I did good. Can't wait to tell you about it. I I, I had ten bogeys, six pars. I had two birdies, and I had no double bogeys. Oh, it's such a good day. I can tell you what I shot on every hole. I can tell you every swing I made. Why? Because it was good, and I did it. I worked with a fisherman one time. He'd he'd fish at night, and he'd come in, and I'd ask him, how'd you do? He would tell me exactly what he caught that night. He'd say, well, I I caught six largemouth or or eight smallmouth or 16 walleye or, or 20 bluegill, whatever he was fishing for. He knew exactly. Well, how did he know? He counted them. Why did John say 153? Because they counted those fish. They counted those great fish, those mega fish that they'd caught. And 50 or 60 years after it happened, as John was writing this gospel, he could still remember that time on that boat when they reeled in and pulled in those nets. And they counted those fish, and there were a hundred and fifty-three, mega fish in that boat in that net. Verse twelve. Jesus said unto them, "Come and dine." And none of the disciples durth ask him, "Who art thou?" Knowing that it is the Lord. Jesus prepared the meal for them, and and, and he invites them, "Come and eat." He is the host. He has prepared the meal. But notice. None asked Him who it was. Who are you? What they knew. They knew it was Jesus. By His manner. By His appearance. Uh, but still, it something amazed them. That prevented them from asking. From asking questions that they were curious about. You know. When we read about the apostles, you know, sometimes we forget they were human beings, just like us. They had the same thoughts, feelings, ideas, hopes, dreams, desires that we had. And they're no different from us. Now, suppose someone you loved dearly had died. And then, a short time later... That same person who had died was standing before you. Would you have any questions for them? Only about a thousand, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you just want to grab them and hold them and see if it's real? Wouldn't the first thing you want to ask them is, what's death like? They knew it was Jesus. And yet, they didn't ask Him anything. Verse 13, Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. Jesus serves his disciples. He is the Lord and Master and yet still he is the servant to them. Verse 14 as we end our lesson this morning. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. John declares this is the third time that Jesus appeared before his disciples after his resurrection. And isn't it a beautiful picture of that appearance that John has painted with the words that he uses? He painted a beautiful picture of a loving Lord. A beautiful picture of a caring Savior. These disciples were tired and they were hungry and He was there for them. And He supplied to them what they needed most at that moment in time. He still cared. And He still loves us. In our lesson tonight, we're going to see He provides insight and instruction as well as the care that they needed this morning. We need to know, to understand, we serve a Lord, we serve a Savior who cares, who loves us, who's there for us. And still today, 2,000 years later, he still supplies and he still knows what we need the most. Have you obeyed his will? Have you obeyed his word? Have you put on Christ? And if having put on Christ, have you remained faithful to him? If there be those in this audience this morning who have never put on Christ, and yet hearing his word, believe it, having repented in your heart of the life and the sin that is there, will you come forward at this time, come forward and confess your belief that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and be baptized for the remission of your sins, to walk a new creature in Christ, or if you have put on Christ and have failed, publicly sinned and would need to be restored, won't you come? as we stand in